Hi, and welcome to Joyful Projects, where we're going to take a look into what it takes to transform our ideas into a reality. Okay, like a project. That's what we're talking about, right? Hey, I'm Paul Armstrong, and I've had a lot of blessings to be on project teams over a lot of years, and I'm sharing with you what I've learned. But here's the kind of the cool thing. A lot of what you hear is, well, you'd find it in books on project management. But you know where I really found the underlying secret to what I call ideal projects, to transform ideas into reality beyond just getting it done on time and on schedule, really making a difference. I found it in what I call the truth. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take Sunday morning's lesson and turn it into Monday's mission, okay? I think you're going to find it a really neat way to open up both the scripture and what we need to do when we're leading a project so that, one, we can do it in an excellent way, and two, enable joy for those who are doing it and for our customers. This is episode 18. Hey, if you haven't been listening all along, you might want to start at episode one. It'll make a lot more sense. Love if you subscribe. That's always a great help. And one, it'll make it a lot easier next time I have a podcast. And, you know, if you want to know more about me, Check it out on enablingjoy.com. That's all one word, enablingjoy.com. Let's get moving. It is episode 18. We are on part two of what we covered in episode 17, which is we're at the step called encourage. Now, remember, we're following this whole storyline, transforming an idea into a reality. We started with the I words, initiate, invite, indoctrinate. I mean, the the D words, right? Where it was dialogue, discover, define. And now we're on the E words. And we're we're right at that part that if this was the movie, this is right that part where you're not quite sure the superhero is going to get to be able to be put on a path of success. It's right on that part where if it was the romantic comedy, you're pretty sure the guy and the girl are just never going to get together. That's where we're at. Right there at what storytellers call the crucible moment. The point where we're going to be tested. So we want to leave or we're going to hang in there. Encourage. I hinted at last week in the other podcast where I talked about encourage. Okay, courage coming from the word. Same word, it means heart, right? Uh, and so it really means to take heart, to be able to provide people that have the heart to do it. This is so much more than just saying, all right, go get it done. I'm with you. Uh, you can do it. It's That's all great. Positive words help keep our brain from going into an amygdala hijack. It keeps what Kahneman calls a system two brain, that big part of our neocortex. It keeps that working. So while we're on that track, let's step back to what we talked about in one of the very first episodes when we were talking about what is joy. We had, we had a whole thing on why this joy stuff. Why this joy stuff? Well, remember, joy joy is under the umbrella of happiness. And there's two types of happiness. There's joy happiness and pleasure happiness. We don't want to get them confused. Joy is a capacity, okay? It's an ingredient, okay? Pleasure is a result and what comes out. So like joy happiness, you know, remember that was saving a million dollars through good work and financial stewardship. Whereas pleasure happiness, hey, that's winning a million dollars in the lottery. It's just a result, Okay. Joy happiness is about cooking, preparing, and serving a fine meal, watching the faces on other folks, okay? Whereas pleasure happiness is eating the meal. Both are great. Both are great. But notice one's the result. Pleasure happiness is the result. So when we talk about encourage, what are we really doing? We're we're building capacity. 
we're building an ingredient. Okay. It's, and so that's why it's so much more than just, just the verbiage that is encouraging and positive and, and gets people like pumped up. It's more than that. It's real actions. And we gave you last time, you know, a whole recipe on something that I call perform under pressure. And, and basically there was a lot of steps there, which really showed how you could specifically target your words to the biology that's behind it. Okay. Now let's take a little walk through some scripture context. Okay. I told you we'd do that this week. So let's first set the stage. Let's set the stage with Ephesians chapter four. Okay. Verse 30, going through to, to chapter five. Brothers and sisters, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were sealed for the day of redemption. All bitterness, fury, anger, shouting, and reviling must be removed from you, along with all malice. And be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another as God has forgiven you in Christ. So be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and handed himself over for us as a sacrificial offering to God for a fragrant aroma. Wow. Wow, that's a good call. That's a good reminder, isn't it? Telling us that when we're leading this project, we're not leaders who happen to be Christian. We're Christians who happen to have been given the opportunity to lead. Okay? And so look at that. All bitterness, fury, anger, shouting, reviling must be removed from us. Well, it it makes sense in so many levels. You tie that back to what we talked about where, you know, if all we do is induce that, if we bring that stuff, what do we do? We induce fear. Okay? Fear is disabling because we just (laughs) incapacitated our team. We did them the opposite of giving them confidence. We gave them, gave them guilt, shame, and, and basically wondering what they're going to do next. Wow. And then think about this going in that here we are at this crucible moment, getting ready to, you know, start actually cutting lumber, so to speak, Uh, you know, actually, you know, putting code to paper, whatever the project is. And and we're a little nervous, but we that's not the way we got to ask. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another. And that last line is so powerful. Live in love as Christ loved us and handed himself over for us as a sacrificial offering. You know, if, we, if we're going to imitate Christ, if we're going to imitate Christ, it really talks about putting our ego away, doesn't it? handed himself over for us as a sacrificial offering to God. How would you offer this moment up to God? That's a great question. And and here's an interesting last line. For a fragrant aroma. You know, for the Jews who are reading this back in the in the first century, this makes sense. I mean, you go all through Leviticus and Deuteronomy and over and over again, they talk about the sacrifices and a pleasing aroma for God, a pleasing odor to God. Wow, for this fragrant aroma. There's a popular concept around, it's called the leadership wake. Let's think about it as what aroma did we leave behind, okay? Did we put ourselves in the service attitude for those whom we are serving on this project and therefore 
leave a fragrant aroma. Wow. Let's touch back on on a related scripture, but it's it's back in the Old Testament. It's in First Kings. Uh, chapter 19, uh, verses 4 to 8. It's talking about Elijah. Gotta love Elijah, right? Elijah went a day's journey into the desert until he came to a broom tree and sat beneath it. He prayed for death, saying, This is enough, O Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Wow. Wow, that sounds like a lot of discouragement, doesn't it? He lay down and fell asleep under the broom tree, but then an angel touched him and ordered him to get up and eat. Elijah looked, and there at his head was a hearth cake and a jug of water. After he ate and drank, he lay down again. But the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him in order, get up and eat, else the journey will be too long for you. He got up, ate and drank, then strengthened by that food. He walked 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of God, Horeb. It's pretty neat here. Notice the repetition. Notice the repetition. And that's where we're going to be when we're encouraging our team, okay? That we are building capacity. We're given that first hearth cake and jug of water. And that's got to be digested. So folks like, okay, and they're going to lay down for a bit. And that's okay. Then we're going to go back and say, okay, but we're going to get up. We're going to provide another hearth cake, another jug of water, get up and drink. So that's a good lesson for us. That the encouragement is not a one-and-done process, is it? It's not a one-and-done process. So let's move to John chapter 6. He talks about, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the desert, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat it and not die. Wow, those are tough words, aren't they? But then when we bring those words and we think about those in the context of now what Jesus is going to say at the end of the Last Supper, okay? He gets up and he has that the, the beautiful discourse at the end of the, the Last Supper. He, he says, so you have pain now, but I'll see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. That's, that's an important distinction in it because here we see that joy is the ingredient. It's not the result. No one can take your joy away from you. On that day, you ask nothing of me. Very truly, I tell you, if you ask anything of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. Those are the words of encouragement that Jesus is giving and he's saying, boy, it sounds still, is he just giving the rah-rah talk? Well, remember what he's done before this. He has broken the bread, said it is my body. Shared the cup, said this is my blood. That ties back to what he said in John 6, right? Earlier on, he said, I am the bread of life. So notice that he is feeding body and soul, body and soul. Your words are spirit and life, okay? Body and soul. And that is, it's such a great, well, one, it's it's the message of our salvation. So yeah, it's beautiful, right? It's beautiful. It is, it is the source and summit, right? It's the source and summit. But if we're going to take a lesson from this in our 
in our little earthly role here of transforming an idea to a reality, we realize that encouraging has to be both building capacity, building confidence, capacity. We got to look at ourselves say, okay, have we given them the right tools? And we've been talking that all along, but have we given them the right tools to do the job? So that, remember our recipe, connected to the mission, okay, connected to each other, have we done that? Are they able to create value to it? Have we done that? Do they see where it's going, where it's tying into, to be able to contribute it? Have we done that? That's the capacity part. Okay. And then the confidence part. The confidence part said, do they believe? Do they believe? Have we built belief? Because we know that, right? They have to be able to see success in their mind and then be equipped to do it. So this encouraged step It's where we as leaders step back and ask ourselves the tough question, right? To make sure that our words go out, do it. Well, I'm right behind you. I've got you. They're not just, as St. Paul says, you know, an empty, you know, a gong, okay? An empty gong. This is where we ask ourselves, have I truly enabled joy? Have I connected to the mission and vision? Have I connected them to each other? Have I provided the right tools so they can create the value? Okay. And are we ready to contribute that? Do we feel ready and confident? And have I engaged excellence? Remember excellence. Remember the recipe for that? We had the the rational four. Okay. Do people understand the, the scope, the cost, the budget? Okay. Do they understand the schedule? Do they understand the quality requirements? Do, have I set them up to understand the relations that we need to have amongst our own team, with our customers, with our suppliers? Have I set them up? Have I set up the readiness too, where I know that, yeah, the parts are going to get here on time and I've looked at the risk. And if I pulled it all together with, with a rhythm of communication that allows us to see the tactical, what are we doing today? And the strategic, what does this lead to? Okay. Do I have that all set up? So this is really the test for ourselves. Isn't that neat? And when we can answer that, we know, we know that we have really built the foundation to enable joy and engage excellence, which is the way we best encourage our team. This has been a great, this has been great. Love sharing this with you and touching back and just reinforcing how magnificent God's word is. And really, it's there for us 24-7. Isn't that great? Because if there's anything else I want you to take out of today, I want you to remember the words I said, that we're Christians who haven't been given the gift to lead others in accomplishing and transforming this idea to a reality. We're Christians first. All righty. Meanwhile, you have a great week, okay? We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.